Hello and welcome to On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast equivalent of Tom Hanks in Castaway. Yes, that's a reference to the fact that we've not been on for a while. Uh, so yes, it has been a while since we've last been on, but um, what have we really missed? What have we missed really? Well, apart from five wins, four signings, progression to the third round of the Cup, an £11 million deadline day sale, a Player of the Month award, a star striker scoring into an open goal and getting a long-term injury in the process, the captain signing a new three-year deal, a new chance to the tune of Salt and Pepper's Push It, and the rebirth of Dimi Yanoulis. What, what have we missed apart from that? Uh, we'll, we'll aim to cover about 40% of that, plus answer your questions and look ahead to Wednesday night's Premier League warm-up fixture. I'm Steve Sanders, a.k.a. at NCFC Numbers. And if that feels like we're scrimping on quality to deliver quantity, then wait till you hear who's on our panel. That was meant to be complimentary, but it's really not come out that way. (laughs) Um, Well, judge for yourselves if you think this is a good line. But I'm I'm pretty sure you'll be happy with it. Um, First up, a man who is thankfully still keeping tabs on what I'm calling the Dan Brigham Player of the Season Award. It's Dan Brigham. Hello, Steve. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Yeah, just obviously feeling a bit cheeky because the uh, head teacher's away and we've got a supply teacher presenting today. <laughs> yeah, the, the head teacher's sort of on, on long-term long-term leave. I, don't, I mean, it's nothing, nothing sinister, by the way, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> if anyone yes, has uh, heard or seen from Michael Bailey, though, then do, do please get in touch. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'd love to know. We're, we've, all, we've started putting posters up on uh, telegraph poles and that sort of thing with his face <laughs> on it. Um, <laughs> Um, and you, you might be able to hear who our uh, who our second guest is. Uh, I'm delighted to say that we also have Zoe Morgan with us. Zoe, how are you doing? I am good. Thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you for asking. It's an absolute pleasure to be on, as always. And it's my first one of the season, so it feels like a whole new world. It, it, I mean, it, it feels like we did a lot at the back end of last season when we were literally just saying the same thing every single week. Um, so it's nice to have something different to talk about if nothing else. I mean, a time before Ashley Barnes, a time before Shane Duffy. What does it say about Michael Bailey that his commitment to content is stronger when Norwich are losing than uh, than when they're winning? <laughs> perhaps, you know, perhaps it's correlation is uh, is causation, as they say. So so maybe the whole the whole thing is uh, is intertwined. Um, anyway, we won't uh, shoehorn Michael into every single link, although this re- does Very also tempting. refer to him. Yes, if you're wondering where he is, he is away in Oxford uh, this Monday night, um, which could mean a 5,000 word piece on the athletic about Yannick Vildschitt coming your way soon. And we'll, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Um, yes, but do please, uh, do please leave us your comments as we go. Uh, we'll still be keeping an eye on them. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll try and cover as much as we can in the time that we have. Um, so I don't know, the uh, the Yannick Vilchip piece might be our headline act, it might not, you'll uh, find out after this jingle. Okay, spoiler alert, it's not Yannick. Um, and as I've already said, quite a bit to cover. So uh, yes, yeah, for seven matches since we last did a podcast. So um, so let's start with that Carabao Cup first round win at Loftus Road. Let's cast our minds back. <laughs> no, obviously, I genuinely can't actually remember what the score was. Um, conscious that the game against Stoke wasn't a cracker, um, although also conscious of the fact that we haven't done a podcast after a win since the 4th of March. Just did a little check on that. Um, but wanted to talk a bit more generally about our approach on the pitch and what's happened um over the last few games i think i think it's fair to say it's been a marked change uh since uh well compared to the end of last season as we've already alluded to um 
Dan, I will come to you first. Are you encouraged? Um, and, uh, you know, what in particular, in terms of differences, there's been a few, have you noticed? Um, yeah, that's that's my first question. What, what what was the win on March the 4th again? I can't uh, That was Mill, Millwall away oh, um, at a time one. when we thought, um, yeah, maybe playoffs were the hype. We, we have since beaten Millwall in an, in an actual game this season. Uh, so that shows how long ago it was. Yeah, I guess looking back at the Millwall game from last season and when we were all quite positive, we'd beaten a team in the top six and we'd leapfrogged them into the top six. And it feels, and then it obviously all went uh, uh, went to um, a swear word after that. <laughs> um, but it, it feels like that sort of performance levels we put in against Millwall that day and the performance levels sort of relatively early in Wagner's tenure last season are now being sort of played out um, in pretty much every game so far this season, which points to Wagner having more time on the training pitch in pre-season to work with them and getting the players in. I guess the key difference um, is he's got the full-backs in that he wants and they're so integral to uh, how he plays and how he sets up. And also he's got the wide personnel in who are integral to how he plays as well, which he had sort of fleetingly last season, um, but uh, not to the same extent as he's as he's got this season. And he's also got the best player in the championship as well in Gabriel Sara um, in the centre of the park. So even when he plays not particularly well, like, like against Rotherham, um, he's still sort of standing out uh, head and shoulders above most players on the pitch, certainly in the centre of the park. We'll come on to talk about it, but interesting to see how he goes against Leicester, against their midfield. So I think Wagner's sort of armed with um, really good personnel now, people who fit, fit his system um, and people who buy into the way he wants to play. I was sort of interested that, uh, and I noted this down, the way he talked about Gibson earlier, saying he looked like a defender who plays football and not a footballer who plays as a defender, which I, which uh, some Norwich fans might suggest he's looked like neither of those since he's been in. <laughs> I'm not one of those fans, but um, it's interesting that he's essentially just trying to get players to do their job properly and then anything on top of doing that job properly is a bonus absolutely um and i'm, I'm sort of i'm conscious that um well it has been an improvement we probably ought to read the room in terms of recent performances and um maybe admit that the last two have arguably been the worst of the season so far i can't actually really recall if we'd had any bad ones before them but i don't think we had so i suppose zoe are we do you think where we are at the moment is uh, is it realistic to suggest that we could be there at the at the end? <laughs> I mean, I'm asking this question. Six, literally six games into the season. Oh, absolutely. And and why not just declare now that we're already up, basically? Yeah, I mean, but, you did uh, say we'd finish first. Uh, I did. And who who is looking like the idiot now after all of these <laughs> negative predictions at the start of the season? Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels different, doesn't it, to last year? And that that's for all number of reasons, really, you know, whether it's even just the fans' perception of who our manager is and the relationship between the two. But we probably started off probably not quite as well, but, you know, our first portion of the season last season, we, we were doing pretty well um, and winning games, but there was still a big area of negativity around of what that felt like, those what those wins felt like. They... Uh, never came in particularly exciting games. It never often felt like if we had to fight for something, we were uh, ever coming out on top. Um, and and now already this season, you know, we've had a last minute winner. We've had, you know, some pretty hard fought games where it feels like actually we're competing now in a way that we weren't 
during last season. We know, we understand what it is for that team to fight together and for each other and to feel like they actually want, they are bothered to do that as well. I think that, you know, it's very easy to sort of slag off professional football and about whether they're trying or, or whatever, but that sort of, you know, drop off in performance does give the air that you're not necessarily, you don't necessarily want it as much as you should want it. And that's what the fans want to see. Um, it looks like a team that enjoy each other's company and and understand what they're doing for each other, which um, which feels really nice. And it just, everything does just feel a little bit more relaxed than it did, um, well, this time last season, but throughout most of last season, it, it doesn't feel as tetchy. Everything is just a little bit happier. And it's just nice to watch a team that seemed to be more relaxed because it makes the fans more relaxed and then everyone can kind of enjoy it all at the same time. So whether... You know, it's all going to be plain sailing. It's like yet to see, it's yet to see that. Obviously, it's a long way to go, but the signs probably are more encouraging at this stage, um, this season than they were this stage last season when everyone was struggling to describe how we played. Everyone was wondering what our game game plan was. I think it, it's very clear what we are trying to do now, and sometimes that's not going to work, and sometimes it you know, it will really come off and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of build on this good start and hopefully get better and better as the season goes on. Yeah, and, and not only is it nice to, you know, be in the ground um, and watch them, it's also nice to talk about on a Monday evening, you know. I, I mean, I don't want to make it all about us, but, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's good as well. I mean, and, and I completely agree with the point about kind of the ability to dig in and, and pull out points that, you know, I, I Saturday I got the impression that that was a game that we would have probably drawn or lost last season. I know we had that run at the start of last season where we kind of didn't play particularly well and got points. So this this one felt slightly different, and I think there will be games this season where we don't play massively well. We score a slightly scrappy goal, maybe from a set piece or something, and um, and end up kind of getting through purely on grit and determination. And I. I think the squad is probably not the best squad of players we've ever had, but I think the attitude and, as you've said, kind of the, the commitment is going to carry us over the line a few times this season. That's what felt like happened on, on Saturday. Um, I mean, we'll, go on, sorry, go on, Dad. Well, I was going to say it felt like that in our 4-0 win at Huddersfield, which all <laughs> yeah. three of us were, were at, at that game. And because last season, so the previous away game to that that I'd been to was the 1-1 draw at Huddersfield last season um and it felt miles apart obviously but i think last season we probably would have drawn this game as well this time the one we won 4-0 because we struggled to start with they'd 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 gone man to man in midfield which is really rare these days even for warnock um and but we found a way to we stayed calm found a way to solve that problem and ran away with uh, a a 4-0 win last season we it was very rare we saw any problem solving on the pitch, which felt like there was no problem solving going on the training ground as well. So I think they're probably managing games a little bit better um, in terms of within those games, working out how to overcome problems. Um, Although I would say in the last two games, I guess it's the first time at Rotherham and then in the second half against Stoke, they sort of the first time the team's really pressed us really, really high. Um, We've had teams go man to man. We've had teams trying to dominate the ball. We had teams just sit back um, and we've managed really well against that. But it, the evident, the jury's still out a little bit on what happens when teams press us really, really high. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Leicester do that on Wednesday. Um, I mean, the the Huddersfield game is a is a good one to bring up because I think that was also um, that's one of the key moments we've had this season. Um, I think we were all absolutely overjoyed at the kind of goal that we never score, which is a player charging down a goal kick and it's somehow rebounding <laughs> into the net. But of course, we couldn't even have that, could, could we? We couldn't even have that as a nice thing because that was the end of Josh Sargent probably in 2023 in an Norwich City shirt by all prognoses. Um, Zoe, how how much is that kind of, uh, you know, there's been a lot spoken about it and obviously they've made the signing of uh, Weijo Huang or Huang Weijo. I'm not sure which is the best way around to say it. Um, so it's, it's him or either, I guess, alongside Barnes right now. Um, like, is that going to be enough to, to carry us through to January, do you think? Um, it's a tough one. I think it says a lot about how we started the season that we're so worried that about Sergeant not being there I think and again comparing it to last season you know we were in that sort of slightly confusing pickle about <clears throat> whether you play him Pookie or, or a combination of, of both um, he had started the season looking you know you know really good um, and he will be a big miss um, and, and I think that's only right that you, you know your first choice striker is, is a miss if they're out for that period of time I think it would be a re- really interesting sort of spell for Adam Eder. I don't know. I know he, he played for Ireland both games in the international break. I mean, how many is the most games that he's started in a sort of, in a row, basically, of consecutive matches? Um, Steve's you know, just checking that right now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I presume you've got that, like, just in your eyes, like, just sort of going past your <laughs> past, past your eyeballs. I mean, um, if I just said, like, five now, would you would you argue with it? If I'd I just, say that's like... probably five, five max, surely. <laughs> cool. Okay, is, let, yeah, uh, I, I think it's probably a lot less than that. So we're probably reaching a sort of crucial time here in Adamida's career where presumably... Um, while Juan gets up to speed um, and gets to know everybody, he is going to be starting a series of matches um, in a row. A, is his fitness going to, you know, going to hold up to that? Um, we know he's got pretty ropey knees, among other things. But um, and and B, like, is that is that spell in the team actually going to be just what he needs? You know, it's so difficult to have been him for the last few years. You know, coming on 80th minute in probably a, a game we've already lost, being like, oh, well, A, try and score, but if if you can't try and cheer people up, like it's a bit of a tough ask in 10 minutes. Um, so, and he looks like he should be a really good footballer. And I think we are yet to see, you know, a, apart from sparks of that, a real sort of concerted proof that he is. And I think this is a great opportunity for him to try and grab, really hope he stays fit. Um, and I, I, you know, it will be different. It will be different to what it would be with Sergeant. So everybody else has to adjust as well. Um, but you know, you've got that experience in there with Barnes now, who's, you know, that absolutely vital in terms of, um, you know, the years that he has spent playing the game, I think, um, will really help us adjust more quickly, hopefully. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed it, it works out well for Ida because, he deserves a shot at it. And I think um, it'll be really interesting to see how it progresses. Um, do we want to quickly play, Dan, before you come in, how how many games has Adamida started in a row for Norwich City previously? Four. Three. Go four. I'm going three. It's actually seven. Oh. Um, I might have to double check that. <laughs> I find it hard to believe myself. Apparently did it last season, um, according to the... Uh, 
according to the, the mother load. Um, yeah. I, imagine, yeah. I imagine he was bashed out on the left wing at some point in that when he was starting seven in a row, though. Um, well, I think, and um, I've, I've blotted most of last season out of my memory, but I, I, I think there was a period where both Pukki and Sargent were injured. In fact, it was that winning run shortly after Wagner came in where we won three at home in a row, where he was up front um, and had... Hernandez, Nunez, and either um, sort of Marquinhos or Dal behind him. Um, so he did get a bit of a run at that time. But other than that, he had a run of five under Dean Smith in the Premier League. Um, and then other than that, yeah, ones and twos, basically. Look at that classic Norwich fans us here just writing off Adam Eder. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically no played a whole season before. <laughs> just... <laughs> um, uh, what were you going to say, Dan? I was going to say about Sergeant, if you could essentially grow uh Wagner striker in a pod in in soccer box <laughs> 360 then it's it is Josh Sargent uh just incredible pressing runs and runs and runs physical a good finisher um really stretches the def- really stretches the defense and also can drop into midfield and uh, add an extra body there which Wagner likes so inevitably he's a big miss because he is your prototype Wagner striker um, and I think maybe one of the other ways we we will miss him his, uh, is maybe Barnes's limitations are slightly more exposed when he doesn't play. I think Barnes has been excellent, far better than I actually thought he would be for us. I think he's shown a lot of leadership, shown some good touches when he's got a bit of space um, and obviously shown some really great elbows and ability to wind up referees uh, or opponents rather, uh, which which we missed last season and we needed that now. But I think... Without Sargent to stretch the play, Barnes is finding himself in slightly more congested areas. And the one thing he maybe doesn't have is a really good sort of silky touch of your your classic number 10s who might play there. And I think that maybe against teams that do play really, really high like uh, Rotherham did, that might get exposed a little bit more. Um, And we've not got a lot of options off the bench to fill that sort of role. And it is Barnes that's staying on as the two strikers rather than uh, Ida staying on. especially with Nunez out, we don't really have anyone to step into that role. So I think maybe a tiny little limitation in Barnes's uh, ability has been exposed there. Um, and especially a real shame because Barnes and Sargent were really kicking it off, really had started really well together. But as Zoe said, I think it, I, I, I mean, I thought when Ida came on against Huddersfield uh, after a few sort of nervy moments, really got into the game and played really, really well second half. And he was a bit of a scapegoat against Rotherham, I thought, Ida. Um, he hasn't quite. He hasn't got the ability that Sargent has yet. He hasn't played as much as Sargent. He hasn't played, um, you know, in, in a top league like Sargent did in the Bundesliga for for as long as he has. So his development is way, way behind Sargent's. But I still think a runner games as your number sort of three striker, Ida's a very good option at championship level. But I'm pleased that he's going to be pushed by Huang as well. Yeah, um, I'm... I'm assuming the only type of footballer that the Soccerbot 360 would be able to grow in a pod is is uh, one that just passes all the time and can't really do anything else. But maybe maybe that's the plan with the Soccerbot 720, um, which is, is something I've just made up before anyone uh, suggests that the clever uh, are advancing on what we've currently got. Um, I mean, obviously we're keeping this down to a tight uh, hour and a half, so um, I, I don't want to I don't want to kind of keep going on and on. But um, if we're going to talk about on the pitch, we we probably ought to. Well, we're 20 minutes in, and we haven't talked about Jonathan Rowe yet. Um, he 
became the first Norwich City player, I'm going to forget my own stat here because I haven't checked beforehand, uh, to score in his first five starts for, I think, since 1928. So that's, what, 95 years. Um, although that may be wrong. Uh, but it's it's pretty good either way. Um, and he's just kind of been electric. I mean, the, the goal that we scored... Um, on Saturday, a very underrated part of that was just the fact that Rowe absolutely threw himself at that cross um, to make it happen. Um, he's, I mean, he's kind of, he's come out of nowhere, hasn't he, Zoe, and just um, re- really been, is already such an integral part of this team. It's an absolute revelation and it, it's just been, it's been really lovely to watch. I think he's, you, you know, you see, even at the games that you're not at, you see, um, you know, you're following it, trying to follow it on Twitter or wherever, and you see things like, you know, opposition player X is fa- is booked for a foul on row. And, you know, in the games that I've seen in person, it's just the only way that people are stopping him is by hauling him, you know, hauling him down, basically. He is absolutely flying. And it's just, I don't I said it before about the sort of enjoying themselves aspect of it. He is seems like such a happy young man that it's just a joy, a really joy, like a joy to watch when he scored against Huddersfield and I was in the away end and, you know, people have been singing his name almost constantly throughout, throughout the game. It, I don't know. There was something about it that just made me quite emotional. <laughs> it's like, oh God, I'm going to cry at cry at <laughs> someone scoring in their like the third game of the season or something. But um, I don't. There, there is just there's such an appetite in the world at the moment to resist having like just letting yourself enjoy something for you know for all manner of reasons, and it's just so nice to see somebody just clearly having the time of his life, and it, it properly you know really rubs off on everyone that's watching it as well. You know, you want him to, you know, want him to get the ball. You want him to just, you know, go for it. And um, and I think the more encouragement he gets, the more he's going to do what he did on Saturday and just throw himself towards towards the ball because he wants to be involved. He wants to, you know, he wants to be the one scoring. Um, so, yeah, it's just, yeah, really, really lovely. And I hope it continues. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, echo absolutely all of that. I, I think the only issue that we have with Rowe is that I think he tr- almost tries so hard in, and presumably has been asked to kind of run himself into the ground in the first half, but you kind of get the best out of him for an hour and um, and then really hasn't kind of got anything to give. And so you'll, uh, well, I think on Saturday we saw, I can't remember if it was Hernandez or um, Springett who came on for him. Um, but I think because he has become so key for us in that role, performances are just starting to drop off um on around that hour mark not across the board but just every so often um so that's my, something to look at but it's a minor quibble Dan I guess he's and he, he was out for so long with that injury it's going to take him <laughs> a little bit longer to get up to speed isn't it um and this is where um I was going to say the return but Sane's coming into contention hopefully will be a massive benefit to that squad as well because it's as brilliantly as Roe has done, and um, we want it to continue at players that age. Usually, there's a you know, unless you're James Madison or Emmy Buendia, there's usually a bit of a drop off at some point. So, now that we have that strength in depth, uh, which we uh, to come with Sainz, uh, and a little bit more strength in depth than say Hernandez or Spring It coming on, well, I say that having not seen a second of Sainz playing football, but uh, with the reputation he's come <laughs> with, then hopefully that strength in depth will, will give um. Row a bit of respite as well, I think, because um, although he seems to take the pressure on his shoulders very, very comfortably and far more effectively than someone else who's come through the academy and, and has played on the left for Norwich <laughs> over the last five years, um, 
you know, and inevitably that pressure is going to get to a kid. So uh, it's good that we'll have someone like Saints coming in to take that bit of that pressure off. But he has been excellent. I mean, when his name was on the team sheet ahead of the first game of the season, I made a very disappointed sound because I just all I knew of all I'd seen of him, I didn't think. I, I didn't think he'd uh, sort of. I didn't think he'd make it at championship level, but he has been absolutely transformed this season. He makes brilliant decisions, which is the key. I think he's not just beating people all the time. He's just making really, really good decisions. Sometimes playing the really simple pass, sometimes taking his man on, uh, getting into the box as well. He, he looks like uh, an entirely different player to the one that sort of came through a couple of years ago. And I feel like there was an immediate bond with Rowe and Wagner, as we all saw on the uh, the video where Wagner was getting taken around the training ground and he greeted greeted Rowe uh, very enthusiastically. Um, and Did I feel like... In- Am I remembering this right? A tweak, tweak, tweak of the nipples, right? Tweak of the yeah. nipples, yeah. Which sure. is a great way to uh, to meet someone for the first time. I feel like that shows a not, not always. Confidence. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, not many people have. Um, but you know, in that moment, I think I. Feel That's like... not why Michael Bailey isn't here, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we we genuinely don't know, so. <laughs> so but we we suspect it's not. Um, Perhaps, perhaps that's what separates us from being uh, football managers is not having that confidence to go up to to people and, and do that when we greet them for the first time. <laughs> and, you know, really get a measure of a man by uh, immediately grabbing his nipples. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unless I've forgotten about this, uh, Rowe started on the right in the first two games of the season, didn't he? And then yeah. got moved across to the left. So he is shown he's also equally adaptable and obviously had... He played really, really well against Hull in the first game, coming in from the right. And I guess against, I didn't see the Southampton game, but by all reports, played very well there. So it's shown that if we've got issues on the right, although fastnack has been excellent and is really, really growing into the uh, into the championship as well, um, been slightly over sort of uh, overlooked or undervalued maybe because how good Sir and Rowe have been. Um, but if we need to mix up on the right as well, then Rowe's available to pop across to that wing. And and is right-footed, but of his five goals, uh, two have been with his head and two have been with his left foot. So he's can, but well, sort of done it all, hasn't he, so far this season? Um, and yeah, as you say, it may not last forever, but um, let's let's hope it does, and let's hope he's not posting about um, dangerous dogs on social media in the next few months. They will have all gone horribly wrong. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, obviously we can talk and talk about what's happened on the pitch, but um, we, we've all got lives to lead, and including people watching along tonight. So um, let's move on to things we're not going to talk about. I mean, there's enough things that we're actually not going to talk about uh, that calling this the things we're not going to talk about <laughs> makes it even more confusing than it usually is. Um, but we haven't been on since the end of the transfer window, um, which I've ended up with us, I mean, roughly £20 million in profit and with probably a a stronger looking side than the one we ended last season with. I, mean, I, I can take the probably away, I would say. That almost seems not in doubt. So um, have we have we won the transfer window, as, as they say these days? <laughs> I feel like maybe we've won it in inches. I mean, how much do you think <laughs> yes. our squad has grown by, like in a total number of inches of, of person uh, from pre-transfer window to now? Because finally... For what feels like, I mean, I've been watching Orange for over 30 years. It kind of feels like we are not the sort of more diminutive side that lines up at the start of each game anymore. We've suddenly got some, you know, big, 
big units um sort of throughout like throughout the team um and you know I, I hope that was it feels like that was very deliberate and you know it it doesn't you don't have to be massive to compete physically but it it really has given us an edge that we just haven't had for, for almost forever and it's quite it's quite fun to see like someone as enormous as Shane Duffy like towering over Gibson who always felt like one of our bigger <laughs> players um yeah it's quite fun are, are you saying if we stood the two squads on their head on you know on each other's heads had a tower that how many inches would difference would there be is that I reckon that there'd be asking? a whole Josh Sargent difference wow uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> including the hair that's that's a lot um and I mean the, the other thing and Zoe's absolutely right about the size um, and I think Wagner's kind of alluded to that in a couple of his press conferences where he's sort of said like he wants us to be tough to play against and even even the Farker sides that used to roll teams over you wouldn't necessarily say they were tough to play against in a sense but not you know you didn't worry about facing them from a physical perspective so so there's that for starters I mean and the other thing is and I had to double check this again uh you know I, I'm, I can't 100% verify this stats but I think this is right we've we've not signed an outfield player um before this window over the age of 30 since 2014 um, so that's nine years, and this side, uh, this window, I think we signed five. So it's almost like a complete change in tack from the sort of Leonardo DiCaprio styles. No one over twenty-five we want, and to this kind of, you know, we want the experience, we want the the people who have been there and done it, and we want leaders on the pitch. So um, yeah, that it, it's, it's almost flipped, isn't it, Dan? I mean, that's that's yeah. what it feels. Yeah, it feels a lot more Lambert, doesn't it? Um, yes. I, 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 we've all had the conversation with ourselves or, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have some <laughs> friends, then with uh, with friends as well, <laughs> nope. about, you know, Farker's team versus Lambert's team that were promoted, even, you know, against Worthington's team uh, that were promoted. And um, it always came down to me, I think, that Lambert's team would probably have just kicked off against Farker's team and, um, and the fact they stayed in the Premier League and finished mid-table suggests that would probably have happened as well. And it feels like this squad currently, you know, we still, still pretty early in the season, are closer in identity to Lambert, more streetwise, uh, harder, uh, much taller um, and less sort of, um, <laughs> I don't know, less sort of uh, uh, worried about maybe how people perceive them, I think. Just really no-nonsense footballers. Um, which, you know, and I, I would say I preferred watching the way that Farker played, but I also absolutely love getting behind a team, you know, with with a Grant Holt in or with an Ashley Barnes in as well. There's something to be said for that, especially because, you know, it winds up opposition uh, fans a lot as well. But also, as well as, you know, being more streetwise, it's still got some really, really good, talented footballers in that squad as well. So it's got a bit of streetwise, both uh, sort of with the ball at their feet and with, and off the ball as well. Yeah, and uh, Alan Alan Grapes has said so much, as much in the comments. The squad seems more streetwise now. Um, in in terms of um, favourite signings from the window, I mean, um, Matt Gregory has said, um, is Jack Stacey better in David Wagner's system than Max Aaron's? I think there's a, a, possibly an argument to say that yes, he is. Um, is Stacey someone that's um, that's caught your eye, Zoe, or or um, any 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 preferred? I mean, there's quite a few to choose from, right? There's a, quite a few players who have immediately come in and, and made a positive difference. Yeah, which is sort of a nice change from immediately sort of taking 
a dislike to all of the players that we've signed. <laughs> and, well, they're no better than the ones we've got. Um, Stacey has fitted in really well, considering he's replaced someone that has, you know, played in that position for us for a great number of years. I think, you know, Max Aaron's left us with... Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good wishes. Um, but Stacy has sort of come in. He is not Max, which I think kind of helps in a way that, you know, he's he plays very differently. He's a different stature as well, you know. Um, and it's interesting that um he spoke about uh posi- how he's work- been working on positioning and you know in the penalty area and it helped him be in the right position um on Saturday to pop up with a goal. Um I've mentioned him before, but I think Duffy is a great addition to the team. Like I, he's someone that seems to really value defending well, which is, mm-hmm. you know, again, not something that we've really cared much about over the last uh, few <laughs> years. But, you know, you see him, you see him reacting when I, something's gone well, you know, really sort of, I like it when defenders celebrate good defending, but, but also when something they've done something badly and he, you know, you can see the frustration in him is, you know, he's desperate for us not to be conceding a goal. He is desperate for us to do well. Um, and I think at the other end of the pitch, you know, Barnes, for all of his sort of annoying everybody else, I think another thing that he does really well is that he holds our team to account and, you know, he will have a go at Roe when he thinks Roe could have made a better decision or, you know, he'll, he will give anyone, like he'll bend the ear of anyone, which I think is a bit like Holty in that way would just, you know, he'll talk to anyone, and he'll shout at anyone and and all of those things. I think that that kind of communication at both ends of the pitch you know with with Duffy and Barnes you know as sort of leadership figures in the team I feel like that was something we were crying out for last season and it it really does feel like we have got those leaders now which is is really nice to see. Yeah and I I tweeted this but um, I I think we've got players who've been promoted in our squad from the championship in our squad from nine of the last ten seasons Um, and the season we're missing is uh, the year we went up under Alec Neal. So if, if you if we're allowed to have Neil Adams in that, then it's ten out of ten. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the other thing that we had was a really fun uh, deadline day. Um, I mean, I'm definitely missing some names out of this, but Casey Palmer, uh, Jamal Lowe, Kiefer Moore, uh, and ultimately Weijo Huang. I'm, I'm definitely missing some strikers. Tommy Cannon. Tommy Cannon. Tommy Cannon, of course. Yeah. Tommy Cannon. And Leicester the City's seven, Tommy Cannon. Leicester City. Oh, yeah, he could be here on Wednesday. Jeez. He's no, he, he is not available, apparently. It could have been okay. you. Running Miss Tommy fired. Um, yeah, so the seven million pounds that uh, apparently we uh, we were just about to pull out of uh, uh, the back of a sofa somewhere. Um, but obviously, I guess um, Wee Jo Huang obviously ultimately joined, but um, going the other way, um, plus a quite a sizable amount of money was... Um, uh, Andy Omabamadeli. Um, I, I, I again have not done the research on this, but I think it was eleven million pounds, rising to a possible twenty. Um, which I'm saying in a high pitched voice because that seems like a lot, Dan. Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, if if we believe what we were told by Stuart Weber, um, then we turned down a bid for twenty million in January from Omabamadeli. So I assume it's probably it would have been a similar. Kind of eleven rising to twenty million, but for a guy <laughs> who was our fourth choice centre back, um, I'd say that's very good business. When he first broke through, he looked class. Omabamadeli did, um, and I think probably will turn into a really class centre back. Uh, but when he picked up his injury, he wasn't he wasn't quite the same player since then. I think maybe if he'd been left footed, we would have seen him play a lot more under Wagner. 
but he couldn't break ahead of uh, Hanley and then and then Duffy since he came in. So I think it's really good business. I don't know if Forrest are playing at the moment, but I don't think he's uh, involved uh, for them at the moment. Um, and I hope he goes on to do really well. He seemed really sort of uh, fans liked him. He seemed to like being here. He was very grateful to the opportunity that uh, the club gave him. So he just seemed like a, a, a top lad. So I hope he goes uh, and does really well. Um, I, I, in terms of signings as well, I thought, yeah, Stacey, I think probably does suit our, our system a little bit better. Uh, I, I really like Max. And if anyone saw him play against Chelsea on yesterday, um, he he was outstanding, uh, really really good. Carl Walker got loads of plaudits for England for stopping Modric against Ukraine, and Max did exactly the same thing for Bournemouth. And he's uh, found a team that will play to Max's strengths. But I think Wagner's strengths for his fullbacks are bombing on, uh, and then either booming crosses into the box or getting into the box themselves when plays going down the other side. And Stacey fits that really really well. And the other great signing is uh, Dimitri Yanoulis, who uh, people trying to tell me were, was here for the last couple of seasons. It's a twin. <laughs> I can't believe it. This guy, this guy is levels above uh, or the other Yanoulis uh, that we've been watching over the last couple of years. He's been uh, one of our sort of top three performers so far, I'd say, this season. And now seems to get taken off for tactical reasons rather than because he's a complete bomb scare and we can't yeah. trust him to play in the second 45. And he had a mock, I think, on Saturday, didn't he? Which is why he was yeah. taken off as well. Yes. Yeah, just because the Rotherham game very much felt like a, this is Yanoulis going off at half-time kind of game <laughs> in the last couple of seasons, but uh, Wagner stuck with him and rightly so. Yep, and that, that feels like progress. Um, so, yeah, hopefully full 90s to come soon. Um, we also lost uh, Milot Rashica, moment silence, that'll do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of what else has happened, I think that broadly covers the trend. Obviously, we haven't talked... Uh, about Danny Bart, we haven't really mentioned Adam Forshaw, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities when they're not warming the bench and they are playing games. I mean, I presume they will come in against Fulham. Uh, go on, Dan. Just one tiny thing about the age of the signings we've brought in and a sea change there. It would probably be a, a bit of a worry um, in terms of where we're going to be at two, three seasons down. Mm. But we've also been adding to the academy squad with sort of 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds and 20-year-olds coming through there. A few of them who, and we've heard this before, of course, a pinch of salt, but a few of them we're sort of led to believe will be pushing for first team football this season. Uh, if not this season, then uh, definitely next season. So they've sort of, uh, to be fair to Weber, he seems to have done really well. He's brought in experience for this season while also taking care of potentially the next few years as well. Yeah, and go on, go on, Jay. I was just going to say a slightly longer moments uh, reflection are for Tim Krull as well, who we've not said goodbye to and uh, has been an integral part of a lot of the good things that have happened over the last few years. So um, while it's probably the right thing for him and for the club to free up a bit of, of money in terms of wages, um, yeah, it's uh, thank you to everything that Tim Krull has done. Here, here. Uh, what a journey he's had. Um, we've Poor had some... bloke there, getting relegated again. <laughs> Six months, seven months time. <laughs> yeah, he sure, he sure does pick his clubs, doesn't he? Yeah, my um, I mean, the the other things that we should quickly mention uh, that that happened over the international break. Um, Dan, you've already alluded to it, but we we have currently the best player in the uh, in the championship, and again, I'm sure Gabriel Sarah will be given plenty of airtime by us uh, when we are on this season. Uh, but well done to Gabby. Uh, he, I, I mean, I think that's a victory for the stats nerds because the number of um, posts I saw, and maybe it's just the people who I follow uh, that were saying Gabriel Sarah is this uh data nerd sites 
player of the season so far just over and over again so I think that was a win for for those people and people who are counting things like key passes um but um richly deserved don't pretend you're not one of those Steve <laughs> yeah. no, no no I'm saying it's a it's a victory for us you know I'm very much part of that so um yeah if I if it sounded like a scathing tone it, it certainly wasn't I'm very much a team stat nerd um and and of course, uh, alongside him, uh, another man revitalised seemingly, um, Kenny McLean, uh, who for a, a brief and very scary moment, uh, depending on your thoughts on Kenny, looked like he might be uh, uh, rejoining Daniel Farker at Leeds. But he's, he's here until um, 2026 with the option of a further year. I mean, by then he'll he'll be either um, kind of Russell Martin style, you stayed a bit too long, or firmly cemented in Norwich City legend? Which which way do we think the balance is going to tip? Or, or Russell Martin style young manager already by that <laughs> <Yeah>. stage. <laughs> Who, uh, when, when Wagner leaves in 2026, he'll be a uh, joint caretaker <laughs> with Narciss, Narciss Palach. Him and, uh, him and Kenny, <laughs> um, but no, very, very pleased personally to see him here for another three years. He's um, part of the furniture, isn't he? He's got like, to love Kenny. Absolutely. And uh, Captain now as well, of course. So, Captain um, Kenny. Can, can do it all. Um, have I missed anything that we're not going to talk about? Uh, just a, a moment for Onel having a classic Onel kind of injury. Like who is who misses games from having a big hand? Like I don't, I never quite understood what was wrong with it. His hand is big, so uh, he will be out for this week. Uh, yeah, vintage Onel. It looked like he'd injured one of Ashley Barnes's handshakes, didn't it? <laughs> the size of that. Just crushed in his paw. I mean, imagine how difficult it would be to hold one of those little Argos pens when you've got a when you've got a massive bloated hand. I'm sure it caused him. I hope it wasn't his writing hand. I it caused him no end of angst. Um, his uh, well, journaling would have taken a real hit. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, his journaling is mostly just just trolling Ipswich on uh, on Instagram and TikTok. But um, we'll gloss over that. We've we've got a few more months until uh, until we have to worry about them. I think. Um, okay. Well, uh, if we've talked about all we're not going to talk about, then uh, let's let's uh, start looking ahead. This is almost fantasy football. Uh, and looking ahead means looking at uh, a couple of games. I think we're into that heavy fixture period that comes straight after the international break. Uh, we've got a much missed uh, hop, skip and a jump over to Plymouth away on Saturday. Um, looking at our away fixes, I think four of the next five is something like Plymouth, Swansea, Sunderland and Cardiff. So um, thoughts and prayers with uh, those who travel to all the away games. Uh, there's going to be some long trips. Um, but before that, we've got a really exciting looking clash with Leicester at Carry Road on Wednesday. Um, I don't know, did either of you catch the game against Southampton on Friday night? I saw the second half of that, by which time Leicester had already scored three and looked just like they could add as many as they wanted to that. So um, I don't know, um, what, what do we think is the best way of, of getting a result out of this one? Because um, it's going to be tricky. Uh, can I kick off? I meant to ask this at the start. Go on. Which mid-2010s Norwich City player is Leicester manager Enzo Maresca briefly played with? And you can leave that hanging, have a think about it. Open it. Oh, do you know? Of course, you know, Steve. No, no, no. I, I don't know. I have a, I have a thought. Um, right. But I'm happy to leave that for the comments for now. Should we leave it hanging for a bit? Let's leave it hanging. We'll, we'll revisit. Um, but, uh, but, but Leicester. Yes. Leicester. But Leicester. Um, yes, for Leicester. Leicester. Well, interestingly, that it seems like they hadn't really 
got into uh, first gear up until um, the performance against Southampton. I mean, they'd lost their previous game at home to Hull um, and had won, I think they'd won every game before that by one goal when they were winning. So they hadn't quite clicked yet, potentially, but still were uh, performing really well. And now it feels like maybe uh, they have clicked, although, you know, who hasn't put four goals past Southampton this season so far? Um, <laughs> But where I think the biggest the biggest test for this for us so far this season, inevitably, especially in midfield and for our fullbacks as well. And we've already talked about Sarah being the highest rated um, player in the championship so far by nerd sites like who scored. <laughs> well, Leicester City, you've got the third highest in Dewsbury Hall in in midfield as well. Mm-hmm. And by the way, second highest is Josh Sargent, which is another reason why we will miss right. him. Um, so. Jewsbury Hall and DD Harry Winks, for goodness sake, they're Premier League footballers in midfield, but then so is Gabriel Sara. And whereas I'm not entirely sold on Kenny McLean being a Premier League footballer, he has a lot of experience <laughs> at that level. Um, so I think it will really come down to the battle of the midfields. Um, and that will probably mean us having to sort of flood that midfield like we do with our two strikers dropping in or our wingers dropping in where necessary uh, to box it. And I think Stacey will probably have the uh, toughest sort of outing so far when he's up against the lads Steffi Mavadidi who, yes, uh, who we were also linked with that, in the yes, summer I believe yeah. who tore uh, Southampton apart by all accounts um, so yeah tough but I think sort of Carrow Road under lights on a on a on a weekday night against one of the sort of big teams in the championship uh, feels like something that uh, this this group of players at Norwich City would be really up for yeah, I mean, I genuinely can't wait. And it, it feels like a long time since we've had one of those games at championship level. I mean, we may have had one or two at the back end of last season, but I'm not counting those, where, where we felt like proper underdogs. Um, and I mean, yeah, the, uh, Southampton seem to do a lot of their defending like on the edge of the opposition's 18-yard box. So I'm not necessarily saying that they're the best uh, kind of uh, gauge for how we're going to do. Um but I don't know. Do you think, Zoe, that we should mix things up a little bit? Wagner spoke about needing to rotate his team during this period. Do you think we will see that? Or do you think he'll stick with the tried and trusted 4-4-2 again, seeing as it's working? Yeah, I think for this game, surely uh, what we know works has got to be has got to be the way to go. Um, it'll be really interesting. Like, it is our first proper, you know, real test, I think, this season to see how far we have come. Felt like... I've probably mentioned this earlier, but like it felt like every time we had a what felt like you know a big game or a must-win game last season, we didn't turn up. Like um, barring potentially that Millwall game, which again maybe came a bit more as a surprise rather than a um, you know a must-win game. But you know we were immediately not very good the next game, and I think um, creating those kind of big games and responding to that kind of pressure is what you need to put a very good run in the championship together. And, um, you know, if we can, if we can pull off a performance against Leicester, I feel like you're not going to get many trickier games at home anyway, um, throughout the season. So it kind of becomes a blueprint for the rest of the season. And I think, um, yeah, really trying to work out like what are the things we do really well, let's do those and not, you know, yes, you know, not just respond to who Leicester are and let Leicester like dictate terms as well. I think, you know, we've got to try and um, be in like be in charge of the situation. We want people not to want to come to Carrow Road. And if people see that Leicester have struggled, 
then it's not going to make it feel very easy for the other teams that are coming. So it's a really big game. And I feel like it's coming at like a, a quite a crucial point in the season because we start to go from decent start to like this is what it's going to look like for the rest of the season. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch it pan out on Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. And actually, weirdly for us, like the seasons where we've started well, we've not really been able to maintain that, which is, you know, whenever I do post a stat about this is the best season since this year, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, but we've like finished 11th that year. So um, hopefully this will not be one of those times. Um, David Wagner definitely likes Leicester. Um, I think he said something like they will be promoted. And he also said... Um, he doesn't think you can bet on Leicester to be promoted anymore. Hopefully he's not tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah for, for, if you're listening, David, yeah, we're not advocating you down. should put a bet on them. Um, <laughs> but it seems unlikely that the bookies would have stopped taking odds after after six games of the season. But maybe they are just that good. We'll, we'll, we'll Especially with that. them, you know, not, not being top of the table at the moment as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also true. Oh, that's going to happen. I mean, you know, it was Leicester who got who stung the bookies with that 5,000 to one Premier League win. So maybe they're just, they're just not going to take any chances on them um, <laughs> from now on. Um, can we have some score predictions, do we? Or at least some result predictions? Are we going to get anything out of this against a team who are definitely going up? I mean, it would feel great. I mean, the, the atmosphere is going to be great on Wednesday. A, a quick word for the drum as well, which I think has, has helped. Um, yeah, so is that going to make any difference? it's a leading question Leicester City are going to run away with the title I think um, so I'm not entirely sure that the result and performance even dictates how we should sort of feel about the rest of the season but um, equally they've Southampton it out of the back a few times this season already, they're not infallible Um, I think both teams have created the most chances in the championship um, we've both given up some silly goals, although obviously compared to last season, we've given up far fewer silly goals uh, than we were. Um, so it feels like it should be a high-scoring game. So I'm going for a uh, for a nil-nil. <laughs> Seems absolutely inevitable now that it's going to finish nil-nil. Yeah, it's impeccable logic. I can't fault it. Zoe, what do you think? Um, as you know, I'm always very optimistic. Uh, so I'm I'm going to be a bit more restrained this time and say three uh, nil to Norwich. <laughs> wow, that is restrained. <laughs> it is okay. Well, try. It's please quite try tough for me to tough for me to say that because it's not. It goes against my natural instincts of thinking we'll score at least four goals, um, <laughs> but maybe three one even just to be really negative about it. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll get a consolation or something. What are you um, going for, Steve? Um, I suppose just to round it off as we've got a win and a draw so we're going to lose um, (laughs) (laughs) on the ball Um, podcast always covering all bases (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying what Michael would have done if he'd hosted he'd have have immediately been in there well it's going to be tough it's going to be tough Um, excellent Michael Bailey impression there that was good <laughs> yes, I would have done a lot more fence sitting, of course. Well, I mean, we have only, I, I believe, conceded three in the last six games. So um, we have sort of tightened things. And one of those was against Jordan Hugel. So, um, yeah, maybe uh, without a big target man, Leicester have got nothing. But I will I will say 2-1 to Leicester just on the basis that I think you're right, Dan. We can't, um, it'll be an interesting test, but I think they are going to be strong. Um, and we'll, we'll give them a good game at the very least. Um, 
so I think with uh, predictions, now, I mean, you know, Plymouth feels like a while off and we can talk about that <laughs> when it gets here, right? Um, but we can probably move on to um, the looking much more kind of solid and reassured uh, Kenny Other Business, three more years in the bank. Um, we've got a couple of questions in. Jeffman98 has um, said, disappointed that Wagner didn't sing along when meeting Amber T after the game. Um, Amber T being the... Um, the uh, singer songwriter with the guitar who's been singing the Johnny Rowe chant, right? Um, uh, trying to pretend like I'm uh, I'm down down with this at the moment. Uh, but speaking of which, each of yours favourite Norwich City chants, Jeff Mann asks. I mean, the, the new Johnny Rowe one is good, isn't it? It's absolute belter, isn't it? It's very mm. hard to get it out of your head once it's, it's in obsessive, there. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's... Um, I, I don't, and I feel like most of our chants currently are stolen, as most chants mm. are from other, but I. I've not heard that one elsewhere by any other team. I'm happy yeah. to be corrected there, but uh, yeah, that one's um, uh, good. It was very good fun at Huddersfield, that was. It really was. It feels like a Barclay slash Snake Pit original, as in, yeah, to using the tune. Um, and a lot of a lot of <laughs> great, but that one is, uh, is a belter. So hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll continue to hear it. Um, and Matt Gregory, well, doesn't ask, just states, the most improved player this season, apart from Dimi, is Poeta. And um, I mean, we, we can't go through the whole squad, right? But I think it's he deserves he deserves a mention. We're we're still in the cup because of his goal, and uh, he's a left back. Who knew? I could, could say the same about Dimi, but Poeta also a left back. Who knew? Who's next for left left back then? Uh, like Liam Gibbs? Can he get in there? He's not getting in the team. I, mean, I don't want to be. I don't be controversial, but maybe Sam McCallum. Uh, I don't know. If he, <laughs> have we seen anything suggest he might be? Is, is there a role for George Long there? Because Millwall fans do not seem to think he's a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as uh, as Zoe says, maybe George Long is purely there uh, just for the for the the big twenty three twenty four totem pole. He's he's the one who's an extra Josh Sargent, uh, and his name is Long as well. Um, yeah, well, hopefully we do see more of Poheta. I, I love the fact that 1-0 up with half an hour to go, we'll just stick Poheta on uh, left back. Uh, you know, <laughs> I like that when he, when he can sort of, you can see the sort of cogs whirring when he gets the ball, like almost like he's sort of coming back to life as a footballer, like just kind of trying to remember what it is. You know, somewhere along the line, he must have been a pretty good footballer to get where he is, you know, he's an international player and, He's not had any luck in the last few few years for whatever reason. And it you can just sort of like he gets the ball, he's got acres of space to run into. It's almost like you can see him thinking, Oh yeah, this feels okay. Like I, I think I remember what to do here. Like I remember when to pass, I remember when to run. So yeah, hopefully it, that continues. I, I enjoyed he came on against Huddersfield at on at left wing and set up Eda's goal with a nice little assist. And Wagner obviously thought, well that well, that's too much fun you're having now. So <laughs> immediately demoted him back to left back instead where where he did a very nice job i i think it's losing the man bun that's that's what's uh, that's what's really helping you the new blonde locks um and uh michael's uh taken a bit of stick uh on this podcast if you haven't thrown your mobile out the window yet michael then i'm going to give you due credit here because i'm pretty sure every time we've kind of uh, sniggered at, at Poeta. Michael has always said there's a player in there somewhere. Um, we'll obviously revisit that take when uh, things start going <laughs> wrong again. But um, I think fair play, he, uh, he has shown it over the last few weeks. So good for him uh, and good for Michael too. Um, any, uh, Kenny, Kenny, other business from either of the two of you? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. Anyone looking forward to seeing Barley Mumba next Saturday? Who has who has gone the other way and now doesn't seem to be a fullback at all and is playing far further up the pitch. So, um, it, yeah. I mean, it feels. I think it says a lot about the way we've started this season. It feels a long time ago that I was sort of feeling that incredible righteous outrage that we'd got rid of Mumba and um, may, maybe maybe it was the right decision all along early days but um, but he's sure. definitely scoring though oh yeah that will absolutely happen yeah uh, running the full length of the pitch cupping his ear to uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes um, and he's he's done a reverse Poheta in that he's uh, come from fullback to, to winger so um, obviously We've we've got that covered now with uh, with Johnny Rose. So um, yeah, do 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 your worst. Do your worst, Barley. Don't yeah. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely scoring now. Um, yes, well, uh, and we will revisit that, of course, when when we're next on the uh, the inevitable Barley Mumba screamer from thirty yards. But um, I think that's probably all for today's on the ball as we uh, t- tick towards possibly a tight hour. Uh, the Norwich City podcast that uh, always lets Michael Bailey play the role of main man during our podcast roast dinners. Um, make sure you subscribe to On The Ball if you haven't already. It's free on Usual Player. Just search Michael Bailey Norwich City on your preferred social platform and ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated, especially the good ones, but uh, maybe the bad ones as well. Yeah, we like some constructive criticism. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, send Michael a direct message on Twitter <laughs> at Michael J. Bailey. He loves them. Uh, uh, and if not there, if you're too frightened, then you can still send us your suggestions. Questions for topics to discuss by emailing twitterkers t-w-i-t-t-e-r-k-e-r-s at icloud.com a huge thank you to our guests tonight it's been great to be back zoe thank you very much thanks so much for having me it's been a blast it really has i think so too oh god it's, it's getting a bit sickly now but dan <laughs> uh thank you as well <laughs> thank you to steve and uh top presenting duties Thank you. Um, a, a sublime supply teacher performance. Brilliant. Yeah, I you'll mean, be getting you know, a, you'll be getting the gig full time in no in in no time whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, you say that, I'm I'm pretty sure you'll have stuck some chewing gum under the desk or something, or there'll be some <laughs> kind of booby trap when I sit down on my chair. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, we're not normally as quite as nice to this. Uh, uh, to each other is this when we're not on the air but uh, you know this you know it's nice to be nice as we've already said um anyway thank you very much if you've joined us live tonight uh or if you're listening back we very much appreciate it um we'll meet again uh don't know where don't know when but until then never mind the he says as he gets the music ready danger bye <laughs>